about going live and maybe hey guys it's tamerlan nan it's touch base tuesday what, what? i'm here in the studio on the starving dog action pack team with mr brian k wright brian is from success profiles radio and magazine and we're going to chat a little bit about his book and more importantly just a few golden nuggets that brian can pass on to entrepreneurs in the you know, he has interviewed some of the best minds in business in his 20 plus year career. And so we're just going to mm -hmm. have a quick chat about touching base with um, experts in the field and learn how to do things right. How you doing, Brian? I'm fantastic. How are you? Yeah, good. Great. Thanks for coming on last second, which is my life. Oh, oh crap. I need a thanks for showing up a few minutes. Uh, we went a, little, a few sure. minutes late because Brian took much longer in um, hair and makeup than I did. So yes, we are waiting for, them true. <laughs> for him to finish up. Well, thank you. Welcome to the show. Uh, for those sure. viewing the first time, this is Touch Base Tuesday. And really the essence is there's no excuse, right? We have to be intentional with our time. We all have busy lives, especially entrepreneurs. And so it's really important that we stop and touch base with our business, our health, our friends, our spirituality, like whatever we really need to you know, touch base and keep track with to, to live a fulfilled life. Um, now, I notice I said fulfilled. I will never say balanced. You will not find a balanced, overly successful overachiever. It's not a thing. If you want life, work, balance, do not become an entrepreneur. It's not a thing. But there is a way to keep it healthy. There is a way to use your time intentionally. And um, so that's just a little bit essence of the, of the, the Touch Base Tuesday. There's no excuses. You have time to live your best life. You have time to start a business. You have time to date. You have time to do whatever it is you feel like you need to do. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Tell the folks a little bit uh, about your background and then uh, we'll jump into, you know, hearing like the top three nuggets that you've taken over some recent interviews you've had here lately. Great. Well, I have a teaching background. I used to teach at a two-year business college when I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska. I did that for about four years so I taught public speaking, English composition, and business math. Now, you might wonder, what do those three classes have in common? Well, they were all general studies courses, and they were all required courses. And so the population of the school was small enough that I was guaranteed, almost guaranteed, to see every single student at least one time. So that was fun. I saw some students two or three times. And you have your favorite students, which is fine. You have a lot of fun. You have to make it fun because... Not everyone likes to write. Not everyone likes to get up and speak in front of a group. And not everyone likes math. So it was my job to make it as fun and interesting as I could. I think I did a decent job of doing that. So it, it was just really a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. I ended up moving to Arizona and ended up in the call center world for quite a while. Oh. I was on the phones. I spent some time as a supervisor. I spent some time as a trainer. And I did payroll in one company for three different locations for up to 400 employees every single week. That was a lot of fun. I worked a lot of hours at that company. Uh, but fast forward, I ended up doing some work for a real estate agent, doing calling, trying to get people to go to open houses for his team, uh, trying to find out who was ready to buy or sell their home. And I got paid partially based on how many people were willing to become uh, a buyer or a seller. And that was fun for a while too. In fact, I'm still really good friends with the people on that team. And all the while I started my own business and it became pretty evident that I was having a little bit more fun doing my own thing than I was working for someone else. And so we mutually agreed to part ways and we're still friends to this day. And so I do my radio show, been doing that since January, 2012, doing my magazine, which I've been doing since December, 2017. And I ghostwrite books for people and I've been doing that for two or three years. Outstanding. I'm going to tell you what, guys, this is why you need to take time, um, you know, touch base with friends. I've known Brian for a while and I got to say that is the first time I've heard you were a teacher, which is great. And so yeah. you get to learn new things from old friends and that's amazing. And that's also an intentional thing because we we talk quite often and that uh, has never come up. So that's amazing. That's absolutely well, thank amazing. You. So tell the folks here now recently, I'm going to flash this because I... Apparently have the last copy in the state of Arizona. Brian's out of these. This is his. Yeah, I'm going to order more. Yep. Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. Yep. And it is on Amazon. The Kindle version is 99 cents right now. And you can get the paperback too. I think it's a dollar off. It's $18.95 on Amazon now. 
Nice. Well, you guys go order the book because it really is. I, and I've read his first one and I've been through this one. And it, he just takes the highlights of the best minds in business and talks about, you know, how they overcame, you know, hardships and, you know, how they can uh, have the attitude uh, to race to the top. What would you say is the like the, the, the top three mindsets of after you interviewed all these people, what are your top three nuggets for how uh, their brain works a little bit differently, which causes them to be successful um, as opposed to those who, um, you know, just yeah. started out? I think really highly successful achievers have a burning white hot desire for what they want. They don't let anything distract them. Now there will be stumbles along the way, but they don't let something get in their way. If you want something badly enough, you'll, you'll figure it out somehow. Uh, there's nothing that says you have to figure it out by yourself. That's certainly not true either because success is a team sport. You have to have mentors. You have to have collaborators. You have to have JV partners. It's really helpful if you have JV partners because there are some things that you're great at and other people aren't and vice versa. There are other people that are really great at the things that you're not good at. So the perfect JV partnership is someone who has what you want and wants what you have. That's the perfect JV partner. That's amazing. Now, for those who are new to entrepreneurship, uh, JV means joint venture. Could you explain yes. a little bit more about how you would determine a good joint venture for you and what you look for to make that happen? Absolutely. I think for me, a really great joint venture is someone who has a service that complements mine and has a following that doesn't completely overlap mine. I think that's really important because if you do the same thing as someone else does and you have the exact same audience, what's the point? Uh, because you're not going to grow very fast. I mean, sure, you'll be able to you know, penetrate each other's audiences. But at the same time, if your audiences significantly overlap, then you're only limited by the size of both of your groups. But if there is a slight overlap or somewhat of an overlap, but I have an audience that's different from yours and yours is different than mine, then that gives both of us an opportunity to expand our reach a little bit. So that's one thing that makes a great partnership. I think another thing that makes a partnership is, do I trust you? Do I like you, know you, and trust you? Do you have a good track record? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Do you have something that is of value? Do you walk your walk and talk your talk? I mean, walking your walk is the most important part, isn't it? So integrity is a really important piece to that. And so I think accountability is also very important because each side has to be accountable to the thing that they say they're going to do. Nothing burns me more than me doing my part and finding out that my JV partner didn't do his or her part. That doesn't benefit me at all. In fact, it doesn't benefit them either. Yeah, no, it does, it, they think they do, but in the long run, it doesn't because your reputation begins to follow you around. And you don't want to have the reputation of, they don't do what they say they're going to do, or they're a bad partner. You don't want that reputation. It takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It only takes a few seconds to ruin it. Absolutely. And what I love, and I like to point out too, I think I, I love how you touched on, um, it's okay if your stuff overlaps a little bit, but you want to find new audiences. Mm -hmm. I find mm -hmm. folks um, have that scarcity mindset of we're in the same industry, so we can't play in the same sandbox, right? I have a show, you have a show. And so you don't try to work together. Um, and I yeah. found in my experience, it's the exact opposite. That playing mm -hmm. with other people who have shows and podcasts and radio shows and playing nicely and and advertising each other's audiences is, is a benefit right. for both sides, regardless if there's a little bit of an overlap yeah. in what Absolutely. And it's interesting because I was told by somebody with a bigger following than I have that our skill sets and similar or our talents are too similar. And so this person didn't want to do have anything to do with me. They don't want to collaborate with me. They view me as competition. I guess I'm flattered, but at the same time, it's, it's just fascinating because this person's business is bigger than mine right now. They have a bigger reach. They do, they're doing more stuff than I am, but yet they, they don't want to work with me and that's okay. There's plenty of other people. I mean, it only takes one really great partnership to catapult your, your business forward. Doesn't it? Right. And that's what I'm talking about. I think folks who behave like that um, aren't confident in what they're doing and they quote mm -hmm. fear competition. But here's the way I look mm -hmm. at it. Right. Because with with, you know, the answering service I own and with, you know, Touchbase Tuesday and the different things that I do, you know, if I collaborate with someone or I teach someone what I'm doing and they surpass me, it's my fault. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I should be staying ahead in my industry. If I want to be the best, I need to make damn sure that I keep doing that. 
And that so sharing my secret sauce or sharing my audience with someone else, um, to me, um, really, at the end of the day, isn't something I'm afraid of. I'm never afraid of someone overtaking me and casting me out of my own industry. Um, if I'm mm -hmm. really upholding my end of the influencer that I want to be, you know, I'm claiming to be. And so it surprises mm -hmm. me when folks like that um, have that, that, that scarcity mindset that A, you have nothing to offer them or B, I really think they're operating from a place of fear. For some reason you have something that makes yeah. them insecure and they're afraid to let that show. And, and, yeah. and I think a lot of people, their own insecurities hem them up um, in business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I find it. Well, I'll share a personal experience real quick, and then I want to jump into a, a couple of your specific um, interviews. Is okay. um, I think people don't realize too in, in joint ventures that, that there's a difference between um, competition and someone that you can do a joint venture where you guys can fill in the gaps for one another, right? Right. So, for example, um, right now I'm very blessed and honored to start working with. Um, uh, you know, Robert and Sean Jones and network together and right. And they already have an immediate, amazing reach. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're wanting to start a show and everything. And, um, and I'm helping them do that. I'm welcoming that process because here's, here's why everybody has different talents. I have a, a show with great reach. We're in 10 different countries. We're getting 50,000 shares a week. Right. And so we have a great reach. Um, but we're slow on the sponsorship side, monetization to get, you know, give our sponsors great bang for their buck for being on the show. And, um, and while they, you know, they have, um, not as big as an, of an audience, they have great sponsors and they have great relationships and they have those, those things. And so we kind of fill in one another where, you know, someone like myself is great at creating content. I'm great at relationships. I'm not necessarily the best at monetizing what I'm doing. And so now we're creating a win-win relationship with someone who, you know, needs help, you know, with content and someone who is better at business than I am with numbers and things, right? I'm, I'm not a mather person, mean math mm -hmm. so much. Um, and and, and it, we could view that as, you know, the enemy. They're trying to start a show and we do kind of, we kind of do the same things, um, but our audiences are very different. And, and that's the right. huge blessing in my life for and I used to have a scarcity mindset. I used to be the person that wouldn't want to work with people because uh, I had some, I had, my first couple of mentors weren't the best. I didn't start off the gate with the right coaches. Right. And right. I really had to jump in and, and start listening to people that I knew were already successful, like the Gary Vaynerchuk's and the Grant Cardone's and Steve Sims is the folks who became successful business people, then coaches, not yeah. our coaches never had a business. <laughs> yeah, that that's disturbing. And there's a lot of that going on in social media. People who, for example, want to teach you how to build a six or seven figure business, but they don't have that themselves. Why are you, why are you doing that? You're, you're just taking people's money. Absolutely. And so old Tamara would have been like, Oh no, I can't, I can't go into competition with them because they're, they're doing better than me. And now I'm like, Hey, let's fill in the gaps. Here's my superpowers. Mm -hmm. Here's your yep. superpowers. Let's go out and crush this together. And and, yeah. and well, you work with them as well. It's been an amazing, um, amazing relationship. Um, and I have an amazing mm -hmm. relationship with you. And we both have radio shows. And we don't yeah. view that as competition in the slightest. Not at all. Not at all. There's room for everybody. I really do believe the pie is big enough for everybody. If you bring value to the world, then you should be rewarded for it. Well, let's say if you want to go far, go alone. If no, a life. You want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with with a team. And when you right. when you look at these successful folks, right, Tony, whether it's Tony Robbins or Celine Dion, whoever it is, um, they're not doing that stuff by themselves. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, so we're gonna jump over real quick and talk about your book for for you and us before we get on. Um, and um, I love, love, loved your interview with uh. Chris Powell, could you tell us yeah. a little bit more about your conversation with him and kind of what, what stood out to yeah. you as the interviewer? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people like to ask him things such as give me your five best tips for getting, you know, six pack abs. We, we talked about some exercise related things, but we really went into the stuff behind the stuff. You have to have a mindset first of all, because you have to believe that you deserve the body you want before you'll ever actually achieve it because you will always revert back to your self identity. 
if you see yourself as a fat pudgy kid, then no matter how much you exercise, no matter how well you eat, you might make progress for a while, but you will eventually revert back to who you believe you are. So you have to identify yourself as an athlete and you have to act like an athlete and eat like an athlete and exercise like an athlete. And eventually you'll start to actually believe that you are. And the more progress you make, the more confidence you have. And so that was really the biggest takeaway I had was that you have to self-identify as the person that you want to become. Doing the actions is one thing, but if your mind isn't going along with you on the journey, you will eventually revert back to who you believe you really are deep down. No, that's outstanding. Um, would you say that most of the people that you interview have a, a similar mindset where they understand they had to become the person they wanted to be mentally before they became that person? I actually, yeah, absolutely. I do because I mean, any number of people that I've interviewed uh, had really difficult times. First of all, they overcame something traumatic or they were broke or they were homeless or they were really, really sick but your mind is very, very powerful. You have to believe that you are capable of becoming who you want to become. I've interviewed guests who were on their deathbed in the hospital and were told that they might not live past their hospital stay or were told they might never walk again. But in two specific cases, I remember the guest telling me that they rejected that advice and instead focused on what they were going to do with their lives after they got out of the hospital. So they assumed their baseline assumption was I'm going to heal and I'm going to go back to my life. And so when you start thinking that way and start believing that and start acting that way, your body will respond in, in a lot of cases. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but your mind has a lot of control over your body in terms of the healing process. They're interconnected. I mean, the body is way more interconnected than we ever used to think. And in both of those cases, they did, you know, walk again and get out of the hospital and build thriving author and speaker careers and are changing the world. They're both amazing. Awesome. Now, one of the things I love the most about Brian, your interviews um, are you don't go in for the obvious. Like you said, when you when you you got somebody in front of you, you don't go straight for what someone else might ask them. How do you without giving away your amazing secret sauce? Um, how do you prepare? Like how what how do you dive in and, and pull the best information um, the new information out of your guests. Yeah. You do an amazing job of that because a lot of Thank times you. you listen to influencers, um, you know, like the Chris Powell's and the Kevin Harrington's and you listen to 20 podcasts and they're saying the same thing. Every podcast person yeah. and you don't do that. So how do you prepare? How no. do you pull out the best conversation with these folks? I do listen to some interviews that they've already granted, but then I think about what else can I ask that got missed? Sometimes the best questions are about something that the guest didn't say. And so if you're hearing their answer and you hear maybe a gap or something that they didn't say, ask them, well, how about this? How does this fit into the equation? I'm really glad you said that. And it's really fun when someone tells me I've never been asked this question before. That's always a real high for me. No, that's fun. Um, I'm taking notes right now because I'm stealing this for Brian for my interviews. Um, <laughs> but um, I love the organic conversations as well. Do, do you yeah. have um, a set question list that you want to ask or do you have more of an organic conversation when you when you talk to these folks? I do have a questions list and I follow it pretty faithfully but I am not married to the order in which I ask those questions. And sometimes the conversation will steer in a direction that I will ask a question that I wasn't planning on. And very often there are a bunch of questions that I was going to ask that I didn't get to. And it doesn't freak me out because what I do is I mark the ones I didn't ask. And if I have them on again, I have already got some questions planned because I've already marked the ones I did not ask before. That makes oh, yeah. show prep the second and third time a lot easier. I love that. I'm going to have to take note because I do the opposite of Brian guys. I don't prepare. I don't have, I do prepare, but I don't write down questions um, because I don't want to get so married to the questions in the order that I don't cue in on something they say that can lead to a much better conversation. Um, mm -hmm. but great. If you have a guest who's good on air, if you hadn't, I've had this happen. If you have a guest who is used to, just answering questions and they're giving short answers. Um, it's it's hard when you're not prepared with more questions when they don't give you anything yeah. to pull out. <laughs> so that's, that's why I make sure I have way more questions than I think I'm going to need. I do an hour long show. I make sure that I have a minimum of 30 questions. That way I'm guaranteed to never run out. 
I like that. I'm going to steal that because, um, yeah, there's nothing more painful than a hard to interview guest when you haven't asked a bunch of uh, uh, written down a ton of questions. And that's one of my it has faults for it has time. happened. And here's the the really cool thing too. My show is live, and so there are commercial breaks. And so every 12 to 15 minutes, there's a commercial break. Oh. And with those guests, I might occasionally say, "It's okay if your answers are a little longer." Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because sometimes people are trained to speak in sound bites, which means you know, quick, quick, fast, fast, fast. No, it, we have a whole hour. It's okay if you want to expound on some things. That's fine. I forgot. You, you give that. them per, you give them permission. You don't make them feel bad by saying your answers are really short. This sucks. No, I, I give them permission to express themselves further, and they appreciate it when you frame it that way. I forgot about that with the live radio show about the breaks here in live TV land. We have no mm -hmm. break yet, um, so. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I don't have that, that backstage time to drag stuff out of them. Um, and um, so, and so what would you say? Um, and I know you've talked to, to a lot of folks and you're, we're not here to hurt anybody's feelings, but in your second, second book, which guest do you think um, did you find out the most, I don't say interesting, but something you really, really surprised you about that particular guest um, when you when you spoke to him on the. Uh, on Let the me show. look at my list. I have a list of these people on my wall. Yeah, Gosh. yeah I, I mean, because I I do I do a lot of research on these guests before I interview them. I will tell you, it was fun interviewing Dina Dwyer Owens. She was on Undercover Boss. And so it was really fun to ask, how did that happen? Did you find them or did they find you? Well, Undercover Boss found them, I oh, believe. Wow. I think, I think that's how it happened. And I also asked, because sometimes people probably wonder this, did you get recognized by any of your employees? Because they were disguises on the show. Right. And, and sometimes, uh, sometimes the people do get recognized and every once in a while, the the person who's undercover has to break their cover because something really inappropriate happened in terms of how someone did something in the business oh. you know whether it was a whether it was an employee who treated a customer really egregiously badly and so it's like you, you ha we have to address this now i mean it's to the point of we should consider firing this employee during this during this episode you know but uh, no, those were fun kinds of questions. And you just, you get a, you get a sense, you know, when you find out mostly you find out about their backgrounds being vastly different than what they became well-known for. Those are always fun. They are fun. Like you, you being a, a, a teacher. Um, so how, mm -hmm. how, how exactly did you end up in the radio world then? Hmm. That is interesting. Uh, way back in the day, when I did speech competitions in high school, the first event that I ever attempted was radio news announcing. And the reason was because I didn't have to face an audience because I, I, I was a little bit afraid of speaking in front of a group. I mean, I had done it before, but uh, I just didn't want to face an audience. And I found out that that was an event that didn't require it. I sat in a room with a time timekeeper. I had prepared a 30 minute or I prepared a five minute newscast with 30 minutes of preparation, I was given a bunch of stories and I had to pick the most important stories and frame it into a, a newscast and got a one at districts, got a one at state and did speech all the way through high school and college. Fast forward, you know, about eight or nine years ago, a friend of mine who had a show on the Toginet radio network uh, was, was recruiting people to start shows on his own branch of that network called rockstar radio network. And he talked to me and he wasn't pushy, but he was uh, persistent. And I finally decided to sign up. And my first show was in the middle of January, 2012. And it was really fun. I got to interview Hal Elrod as my first guest. Now he's since blown way up. I've interviewed him three different times on my show, but he hadn't even written the Miracle Morning yet when I had him on the first time. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I met him at an event a couple of different times. So this is where I meet some of my great people as I go to events. And I go where the high achievers go. It's, it's like if you're trying to fish. Are you going to fish in a place that has a lot of fish already, or are you going to fish in a place that you just happen to like to be and hope that the fish come to you? It doesn't work that way. You have to go where the big fish are. If you want to have a big fish on your show or collaborate with them, that means go to events. It means join their groups. It means interacting with their posts. It means reaching out to them, providing value. That's the big thing. Provide value. Don't just ask for something first, but provide value first. And make sure you get on that person's radar and then you will have earned the right to ask. Awesome. Now tell folks, cause we see this happen a lot too. 
Um, so there's a difference between providing value and leading with a gift to get something back. So can you talk a little bit about how you give a little bit of good value to create a relationship to get someone on your show versus you'll see somebody who, you know, does something nice for yeah. an influencer, but they're, they're only doing it because they fully expect that, you know, them something back. Right. I think, pardon me. I think if you are reaching out to somebody at a time where they're actively promoting something such as a book, such as a movie or a film, such as an album, whatever the case is, you give them something to talk about because by default they are on the circuit. I mean, you think about the tonight show, mm -hmm. you only see someone like Elton John on the tonight show when he's promoting an album or when he's ready to go on tour or whether he's filmed a documentary or whether he's doing a, a new Broadway show that he's scored a film for the point being he's promoting something. He's not there just because right. he's so busy and you don't see actors on these talk shows unless they're promoting a movie. And then you see their, see them everywhere for about two weeks and then yep. you see them again. Yep. That's the same thing. There are some high level guests who will only come onto a show when they're actively promoting something. And so what you're doing is you are offering to share them with your audience you know, if I want to have Jack Hanfield on my show, which I have, it was at a time that he was promoting the 10th anniversary edition of the success principles, how to get from where you are to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And I was able to lead with value because I bought his original version in 2005. It's the only book I read all year. And I pointed out some things that I learned specifically and applied from his book. People like to know specifically how you've influenced them. Any monkey can say, I'm a big fan. I love your book. Well, what do you want? What do you love about it? How did it impact you? What was your favorite piece in that book? What what stood out to you? If you can do that, then you've basically proven to that person that you actually do follow their work. And you're not just, you know, random, you know, creepy fan trying to connect with them somehow. But you are actually serious and really want to help that person. Because if you were impacted positively by someone, then wouldn't it make sense that I would want to share you with everyone else in my circle too? So that helps a lot. That makes total sense. Uh, yeah, because the people I, I think that have Im impacted me the most, I haven't had the pleasure to meet yet, right? But they're folks mm -hmm. where I um, implemented something, right? Like Gary Gary Vaynerchuk is a big one. Gary, I'm coming for you. I he, he released a birthday deck on his birthday, and it's how to do 64 original content posts every single day in like under two hours. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And I followed it. Like I actually executed it. And it landed me um, my consulting gig at McKesson at the big pharmaceutical company. And, and yeah. I saw, you know, by actually doing what, what he said that it worked. And now here I am three months later and I've slowed down and stopped doing it. And I noticed, no, wonder why it's not working again. Cause I stopped right. <laughs> shooting. Right. Um, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think those are the, my, my favorite connections is when I finally, like you said, get to somebody where you've actually implemented something of theirs and it worked, you know, and then mm -hmm. you want to bring them on the show to provide that value. Yeah. That is now here's the other piece. Here's the other piece to that. When you've interviewed someone really amazing, like a Darren Hardy, for example, I had someone maybe six months later say, I know you interviewed Darren Hardy. Can you connect me to him too? Well, I did the work. I did, I did with this particular person offer to see if the connection could be made. And his executive assistant said, we appreciate that you thought of us, um, but Darren's not actively promoting anything right now, but <laughs> thank you. And so I had to go back and tell this person that he's not actively, actively promoting anything. And that was my big aha that some people only will do media when they have something to promote. So that was my big epiphany with that whole experience. So I'm really glad this person asked, but you have to earn the right to ask. Don't just piggyback on my hard work and expect me to float you a connection that it took me weeks or months to get myself. Right. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't mind connecting certain people, but I, I had to learn, I'm sure you did the hard way um, that you, you, you take a lot of time to connect with somebody and, and build a relationship and bring them on your show and, and have them enjoy that experience and be willing to come back. You know, introducing them to the wrong person can burn that bridge in a hot second. Uh-huh. That's right, because you are implicitly endorsing that person, which is why I'm pretty careful about who I make connections to. Now, if I know two people who need each other, I will connect them. Yeah. You know, and you do that too. You're really good at that too. So I, I think 
that's just, you know, giving, giving forward to the universe and everyone in it is if I see that you need this person, this person needs you, here you go. Well, we, we see what you can do it. together. Yeah. We trust the connection, right? So if I go, Hey, you know, this person's got to talk to Brian and vice versa. Um, I know that you're going to do your end to see if it's a good fit or not. And I also set the expectation, which I think a lot of people don't do is I tell people, um, I don't mind connecting people and getting you into the room, but you're not guaranteed anything just because I introduced you. You have to earn the right, right day in the room. You have to create your own relationship. Um, and so I think because now, because I wasn't at first, because I didn't know, right? I would have people get upset because I would introduce them to somebody and they thought it was a sure thing just because I introduced them. And, and that's not the case. So I very much set the expectation of I'm happy to do this connection. I think you guys would fit really well. Um, but you're going to have to figure that out for yourselves. Um, and if you don't follow up, if you don't do the right things, um, I, I have found that that doesn't burn my bridge with the person. I just let both parties know. I think you guys need to meet. Here's why. Why don't you talk and explore if I'm right or not? And, you know, and go from there. And there's no expectation, no harm, no foul. Right. If that, I guess because there's no results tied to whether or not that relationship works out for me. Right. It's not your fault if the connection doesn't work. It, you just thought, well, I think you guys might fit together. Why don't you guys explore and see if there's a fit? And if there is, that's great. And I, and I think too, especially in this industry, um, we all learn little tidbits about one another that maybe other people don't. And in those moments, you know, when you learn something, you're like, oh, that, Brian, get, Brian just brought that up. I got to introduce you guys. Um, I think I have fun doing that. I get really excited when I get to, to connect to people who may not have thought of one another uh, just because they hadn't had enough exposure to know, you know, that, that other side of them. Cause as you know, in this industry or it as busy as our schedules are sometimes um, even if we do know somebody, we, we don't, we, we don't take the time to purposely get to know one another. Right. We don't connect, we learn different things. Or if I'm only seeing somebody at events, right. And we're only talking shop, you know, other folks might know something more than I do. And so I just, I get excited. That's kind of like a little kid in me when I can figure out to people that, you know, you know, may be able to learn something new about each other and help each other out. So it's, it's fun for me. I love connecting people to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm the same way. All right. So we're going to jump off here in a second though. And um, so I got to know, cause how uh, Dan Locke, tell me a little bit about how, um, him. Cause he's, he's, I, for me, and let's not say anything bad because we all have influencers. Dan Locke is like that train wreck when I watch his content where I can't decide if I agree with him or not <laughs> on the way he does things and stuff. And so um, what was what was the biggest uh, nugget you took away from that interview um, with, with Dan? Yeah, I think really, honestly, being prepared for the interview really helps a lot because that means you get to steer the conversation. Okay. Uh, sometimes, and I'm not saying that Dan Locke is like this, but sometimes, I mean, we, we get to meet people who are a little ADHD, HD, 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 and you just kind of have to keep the leash a little short and there's nothing wrong with that. We love everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, but you have to be very directional. And when you're the person who's interviewing, you're the one asking the questions and the person asking the questions is the person to control the conversation. So my big takeaway from him, I asked him, uh, how do you know when to say yes or when to say no to opportunities? And he said, at the beginning, you have to say yes to just about everything because you're trying to get started and you're trying to get established. Once you get a little more established, you can start saying no to a few things. And he says, now I say no to almost everything. You have to earn the right to get me to say yes. Because so many people are trying to throw the bright, shiny object in your path, or so many people want to be connected to you because you have a big influence, a big tribe and because you're you know worth multi-millions of dollars and are doing this that and the other thing they think that just by association that somehow you'll you know osmosis will set in and you'll get rich too well it doesn't really quite work like that as we all know but he can be a lot more judicious about who he says yes to and you have to provide a ton of value and you have to make it worth their time here's the thing when you are asking somebody a favor, especially when that person is further along in the journey than you, you have to give them a reason to want to say yes. We know why you want the favor, but why does the other person want to, to play along? And if you can't adequately figure out what that value proposition is for them, 
they're going to say no because they're conditioned to say no to just about everything. But Dan Locke was fantastic. Uh, his story is amazing. And he talked about having a highly paid skill. And that skill for him was copywriting. And I asked him, what mistake did you make in business? He says, I went into business too soon. I didn't have a highly paid skill, a highly valuable skill in the marketplace. I should have established myself as a copywriter first, a highly skilled copywriter first, and then started my business. He tried starting businesses without having any discernible, highly paid skill that the market valued. Oh, and so I recognize that. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, yes, it is possible to start your business too soon. You know, especially in this age where people say, start a business, be your own boss. Well, it's not just about being your own boss. You have to be disciplined. You have to have a skill that other people will value. I mean, the, here's the perfect intersection. I tell people this when I talk to them about writing books. I think the, the analogy applies to running a business. The intersection of three things has to be evident. What are you good at? What does the audience want? And what will they pay for? If you have the intersection of those three things, you have a good chance of succeeding. I love, I love that. I love that. We're gonna have to do a podcast um, on that on just that subject because that's amazing. Um, I know the biggest mistake because right now, starting a business is popular, right? It, being mm -hmm. an entrepreneur is cool. Um, people don't realize how 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 hard it is. Um, when I started my business. Back in the day, 2009, um, it wasn't cool, right? Working from home was taboo and, you know, that sort of thing. Back then, you couldn't tell people you worked from home or they wouldn't do business with you. Um, right. And you had to have an office building and, and, and that sort of thing. But what I found was the death of my answering service because I, I grew that answering service up to over $150,000 a year and drove it straight into the ground was mm – -hmm. um, I wasn't specific on where I wanted to go. I just ran around going, I want to work from home. And that was it, right? I didn't say I want to have employees and I didn't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. And I, and, and so what happened was, you know, three years in, I was making good money, but I was always home because I was working from home or I only left to go to networking meetings. I had no friends, right? When I went on vacation, I was still working. So even though I could go do what I wanted, I was still working in Vegas with the kids on the roller coaster and they weren't having fun. And, um, and so the biggest mistake I think, you know, that I made was a, I went into business too soon because I didn't have a vision outside of, I just want to work from home. And that could have been anything, mm -hmm. right? I could have done a lot of different things. And so um, I ended up for a long time despising the business mm -hmm. that I you know, thrived at and I was good at it yeah. and I didn't like it anymore. So I, I got rid of it. Right. And so I think that, that we don't stress enough too for the entrepreneurs, especially now because it's cool, you know, a it's yeah. hard work and B now you don't have to have it all figured out, but you have mm -hmm. to have some sort of generalized direction. Don't you think? Right. Absolutely. And I also do believe in the idea of knowing the difference between running towards something and running away from something. If you want to start a business to get away from your job, you're running away from something. And you have not clearly defined what you're running toward. You, you're, you don't have a target in place, so you're not going to hit it very often. In fact, you'll almost never hit a target that you haven't defined. Oh, I like that. I haven't heard that one before. So make sure that you're not just running from something when you start a business that you're, you know, running towards something. I running like towards something. Yeah, because it all comes back to having a clear, solid, focused vision. That's awesome. Now, um, and real, real quick, because th th this struck me as interesting. You talked about, um, you know, the reason you started doing radio and that sort of thing was because you weren't in front of like a lot of people, right? Yeah. And so, but now you speak on stages in front of sure. lots of people and you're an amazing public speaker. Um, Thank you. So um, does that still, does it still make you uncomfortable to be in front of? Um, Not at all. Because you started if out. I know. It started out that way, but I got comfortable because I competed in speech competitions throughout high school and college. I was a teacher. I taught public speaking. So yes, I'm very comfortable. If I know what I'm going to say, then I can talk for a while for sure. Awesome. Now, I've heard you speak and you're an amazing uh, presence. So it struck me funny when you said you, you, you know, went radio because you were trying to avoid live audiences, but you do an amazing job with live audiences. I, I've seen you speak a ton yeah. of times. Thank you. There, there was a story that predated that experience, though. In junior high, I was selected to rehearse or to recite the Lord's Prayer in church. And halfway through, I forgot it. I didn't take notes with me. The congregation knew it, thankfully, but they carried me to the finish line. And it was a little embarrassing. 
And so I didn't want to repeat that experience again. So that's why I had some initial resistance to going out for speech contest as a freshman in high school. And the speech teacher said, take the rule book. Here's a list of the events. I'm sure there's something in here that you'll like, but I think you'd be really good. And her intuition proved to be correct. And I found an event that I liked and expanded from there. And so, yes, facing an audience does not bother me at all. In fact, I love it. Outstanding. Okay, guys, we'll go on to Amazon and I'll post the links. Get Success Profiles, Volume 1 and 2, if you haven't read Volume mm -hmm. 1 yet. Um, they do stand alone, yep. but um, they really are. I, I do actually read these. I don't just get books and shove them on my show. Um, and especially, and I, I do love uh, Brian's content because he does he does pull out of folks things that you wouldn't expect that particular you know influencer uh, to talk about, which is great. Um, I enjoy your stuff. And so, um, guys, definitely... You can also message the show or us. You know, Brian will do signed autograph copies of these. So if you order one or let him know, he'll get you one. And you can direct message, you know, um, your address and what you want personalized. I know he's great to do that because I had him mm -hmm. sign one. He dropped off. This one's actually autographed, generic. I had him autograph one to me too. So for this uh, particular show, especially when we release it as the podcast audio version as well, um, if it's we are going to randomly choose someone who shares the show to get this signed copy and we'll get it sent out to you. And then um, Brian's already signed it, but we'll let, we'll put you in touch with Brian and you can talk to him and, and possibly, you know, start a new relationship, but we'll get you guys um, when you share the show and tag Brian and I in it, we'll get you the copy because I know Brian is out of copies. And so <laughs> yep, I'm going to, I'm going to order more. You can also get on Amazon and I'll sign it for you. <laughs> If you want me to. Yeah, we'll hook you up because it really is great stuff, especially if you have a podcast. Everybody has a podcast. You 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 should, you know, absolutely read these as your Bible on how to have a great interview, right? Because in a day and age where there's 9 million podcasts and radio shows, you really do want to stand out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not just be. And so um, I would definitely use Brian's information as a Bible for that because he does a great job of keeping people interested and people like me. Um, I'm, I'm ADD. I, um, I think all of us are. And so um, for me to have someone who can keep my attention in the book form and, and everything as an interviewer is, is a huge thing. So say, thank you for that. It's something I never shared with you, um, but he fully keeps my attention. I'm dyslexic. I usually listen to Audible. Uh, I love to read. I love to write, um, but reading is a chore for me. And mm -hmm. so I love, I love reading your stuff um, because thank you. it keeps that attention in me going yeah. And every chapter is self-contained. There's mm -hmm. not really a plot. So you don't have to read it sequentially. Just pick your favorite influencer and read that chapter. It's a quick read. It's a good read. No, it is nice too. And uh, you can also, in, you know, I suggest, I think this is a good way too. If, if for folks who are starting out, it's hard to know what influencer to listen to when you're a brand new entrepreneur now, because there's just mm -hmm. too damn many of them trying to give you advice. And mm -hmm. so, uh, I think for me and what I had actually recently had my daughter do was to read the chapters in, 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 in Brian's book and kind of determine um, which entrepreneur she thought she might want to take advice from and then go look at more of their content. And so I think that's a good guide as well. Um, yeah, it's a great way to get introduced to a lot of people because this particular volume, volume two, contains 18 interviews. So you have a chance to learn from 18 different people. And certainly at least one person will resonate with you out of 18. I mean, the yeah. chances mathematically are very, very good that you'll like at least one person that I talk to. Outstanding. Now, this will be the last question. I promise I've said that 47 times. Um, but um, how do you so for what I found too, is because there's so many influencers out there, uh, we don't know who to follow. And, and people jump around. And so I have found for me, I want to see your input on this, that like right now, I'm just drinking Gary Vaynerchuk's Kool-Aid, right? I'm taking action mm -hmm. on his stuff. And I'm only listening to him about my social media right now, right? And I'm only listening to someone else about business. Um, and um, so what's your thought? How long do you think you should listen to just one influencer before you know what they're doing should work for you or not because we all change right you don't you no no yeah. it's the same mentor for the entire yeah. other business um I, th I think i think a lot of that is intuitive i mean if someone resonates with you you'll know it pretty quickly and if someone if, if someone makes your bs radar go off you'll figure that out pretty fast too usually 
But how do, do you have a set number for, like for yourself? Do you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this new thing for 30 days, 90 days? Like how, how do you gauge how long you, you try a new action um, before you realize maybe it won't work for you? Uh, I think, you know, I don't know if I have a set number of days. I just know that if, if I click with someone, I'm going to consume content. And I tend to be a little 80 myself because sometimes the next person comes along and, Ooh, I like their stuff too. In fact, I've got a whole stack of books on my desk that I haven't finished reading because I'll get partway through it and I'll buy another book and, Oh, I like this one too. But, uh, I definitely do listen and read to a lot of different people. I think Les Brown is amazing. Uh, yeah. if you want to go really old school and, and listen to Jim Rohn, he influenced a lot of the influencers that are out there today. Go to the source. Jim Rohn is great. He's common sense. He's awesome. Jack Canfield is really, really fantastic too. And, and you have to think about what topic do you want to know more about? I mean, if you're listening to someone just because they're a big name, that may not be a great idea because you, you want to know what you want to know more about. If you want to know more about social media, Gary Vee is definitely someone you want to listen to. If you want to learn more about financial literacy, Sharon Lecter is somebody you want to listen to. Uh, and, and if you want to learn more about real estate, then maybe someone like Dean Graziosi or somebody like that. Now, here's the interesting thing about him. And I, I, I like his stuff. He, he used to teach real estate a lot more often than he does now. Now he's teaching a lot of personal development stuff, which I found was an odd pivot, you know, because it's like, wait, you were known for this over here. And so, and now he's aligning with, you know, a lot of other big influencers doing joint ventures. And that's great. Um, whatever floats his boat, but I'm going to, pay attention to him because he's an expert in real estate more than the personal development side. And that's just me because there are a lot of other people that I listen to for personal development first. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. In fact, I didn't know he was a real estate guru because I recently only learned a Dean since he went into the Tony Robbins, kidnapped him and made him into an inspirational person. Um, so I didn't know about that. Oh yeah. Real estate. Absolutely. In fact, I, I have three of his real estate books. Amazing. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was he was he was definitely known for that niche 10, 15 years ago. That's awesome. Now it, it is cool that when people expand into stuff, but like you said, it can be confusing. Um, and like for me, I'm the same way. Um, if somebody, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk, social media person, right? That's who I'm listening to. Um, but if I need, you know, inspiration right now, you know, TJ Jakes, you know, Steve Harvey, those kind of guys are, are big for me. Um, and so I think you're saying the same thing as well. I have found it's important to have um, a mentor for my spirituality, a mentor mm -hmm. for my business. And, uh, whether, yeah. and and you don't have to know them personally for them to be mentor folks understand that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, probably unless I'm lucky and can kidnap him and get him on this show. Cause I have been mm -hmm. stuck with him relentlessly. Um, you know, is never going to know how amazingly he impacted my life. Right. And so um, someone can be a mentor without you actually never meeting them and they can make huge right. life changes if you implement. And uh, so I didn't know that. it's funny. I didn't know that about it, Dean. I'll have to look at his real estate stuff because we do a lot of real estate and um, it's going to sound horrible, but this little things too is um, I, I just, I, I find the, I have a hard time hearing at certain decibels and the pitch of Dean's voice sometimes it's really, really hard mm. for me to, to understand what he's saying and hear him. And so I tend not to watch a lot of his stuff for that reason. Um, but I will definitely yeah. check out the real estate stuff because um, that will be helpful for, you know, I have clients who are real estate agents that want to be speakers. So that's, that's great to know. Um, just steer them over there and take, you know, take that effect. So one more time, tell folks where they can find you and when your live radio show is and, you know, how they can, the best way to connect with you, if they would like to have you on their podcast sure. and all that happy stuff. Absolutely. Well, my site is briankwright.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-K-W-R-I-G-H-T. And there it is on the screen, briankwright.com. There's a contact form. You can contact me through that if you'd like to. Uh, successprofilesmagazine.com. If you want to subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine, is a monthly digital magazine. And there's a $1 seven-day trial. So you can have access to every issue that we've ever done since we started in December 2017, plus all the special edition issues that we've done too. And so there's a lot of content in there to consume. And you can listen to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And you can download and subscribe to that. And please leave a review. I'd really appreciate that as well. And that airs every Monday at 6 Eastern. And um, it's great. 
uh, personal development and business, I interview some of the top achievers in the entire world. I interviewed Stedman Graham uh, about six weeks ago. That was a really, really great show too. Oh, I bet that was, that's an amazing name. So do you find do you, again, no more questions, Tamara asked another question. Um, how do you determine who you want to bring on your, your show? Like what, what sparks you to reach out to the people that you do when you do yeah. it? Yeah. Sometimes it's because they are known. I mean, those, those people I love having on my show, but that's not every week. Sometimes I like having people who are a little under the radar, who have done amazing things and especially have overcome. I love hearing underdog stories of people who have overcome amazing, amazing things. Now, it's really interesting when someone pitches me to be on my show and it's pretty clear they've never listened to it because the topics they pitch aren't really a fit for my format. But that's fine. Personal development and business, it's a pretty large pasture. So, uh, yeah, if you've got a great story and you've overcome some stuff and you're impacting the world in a really big way, then that's that's wonderful. I would love to you know talk about or at least explore. Now, I will also say this. I get pitched a lot and I don't take everyone who pitches me. I just don't have time. It's a weekly show. So, I mean, if I get pitched, you know, 15, 20, 25 times a month and I only have four spots, guess what? A lot of you aren't getting on the show, but I'm open to exploring possibilities and there might be other things we can do along the way. Maybe it might be doing a magazine, a special edition magazine for you. Maybe it's ghostwriting your book. Maybe it's um, consulting, you know, building your brand or something. There might be a room, there might be room for us to talk. So if you do want to talk, call with Brian.com, schedule time to talk. Absolutely. And do and do that, guys, just because um, he might only have four slots a month. He also knows a lot of great other radio show hosts and podcasts. And if Brian feels like you're a good fit for someone else's show, he's absolutely going to tell you um, he's not just going to turn you down, which is what I love. Right. Him, mm -hmm. You know, you do you connect people as well. And so we're going to make sure that we post all the links. And I know we're live right now, but later for YouTube, there will be a subscribe button here somewhere on Brian's side as well, Brian Point. And so you guys can actually be able to click it and go check out his live radio show and on iTunes and everything. And you can hit subscribe on our page somewhere. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The video guy hates me because I can never remember where to point for him when he edits this, but uh, <laughs> we'll get it released. And thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to have You're Brian welcome. on again soon because he does so many things amazing. I know we talked a lot about the radio stuff today, but he is a ghostwriter and he has the magazine and he's an amazing writer himself as well. So there's lots of different opportunities to joint venture with, with Brian um, and they're things yep. that he all does very well. And so I know we focused on the TV podcast aspect of it, but um, reach out because you just never know uh, how you'll be able to click with someone and find a joint venture um, yeah. you know, that you guys both will do well on. So don't rule anybody out just because you don't think you're, they're a good fit for, their show or the magazine or something different. Uh, you just, you yep. never know where that click will be and that be an amazing relationship. So thank you for coming on the show, guys. Thank you guys. It's happy touch base Tuesday. We're gonna have some exciting announcements coming up soon. I know I'm back in my shirt. We are rebranding. So we're going to be releasing some new shirts um, and amazing things and over here on the starving dog. So dog pack, thanks for watching. And remember, don't become the starving dog. We'll see you guys next week. And